0: The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. PTB nation welcome to the first episode of the parking the bus euro nightly show all right our day one of the euro is in the books uh the first night of euro 2020 of course in 2021 i am the your host the mr mike Agustinho, and let me just tell you i am so happy to be here tonight as this almost didn't happen um well for uh those of you that follow the show and follow my content closely you realize I I was planning to have stuff out the last couple of days. Well, Wednesday I came down with a terrible terrible stomach virus that just absolutely debilitated me and I was be- I was really nervous about not even being able to to stay awake long enough to to watch this match today. I had a real hard time all day yesterday and much of today. Um, I was able to set my alarm for two 30 PM, which is a half hour before the match kicked off in my local time here on the East coast of the United States. And well, you know, it, it's just so happened that I woke up and I felt better once that happened. And at that point, well, at that point it was, you know, I, I was able to sit up. I was able to enjoy the match. I was able to watch part of the opening ceremonies, um, Shout out to 2DNA here in the United States, the the Spanish language broadcaster, for showing the opening ceremony because I don't know those of you that follow closely on on social media, at least on my social media here on uh, Parking the Bus, you can see the handle there at PTV underscore media or on my Mr. Benfica uh, handle. I was on both of them today. I was critical because ESPN did not air. Andrea Bocelli's performance, epic performance of "Nessun Dorma," and for me, that you know, that as good as ESPN did, and their studio was fantastic, by the way, uh, bringing Reese Davison from American Sports and having him host, he did a pretty good job. And then you got you got Steve McManaman and Andrea Pirlo doing doing commentary. Plus, you you had a whole host of other experts in there as well talking. So I thought they did a good job, except for the fact that that, well, they missed Andrea Bocelli, okay, singing Nissan Dorma. And I have to start off with this because this picked my spirits up, and I'm going to explain why. Nissan Dorma was also the theme song or the anthem of World Cup Italia 90 back in 1990, obviously, 31 years ago. Well, Italia 90 has a very, very special place in my heart All right. And in my in my soul, even because that was the first international tournament that I ever watched. Okay, I had never watched that Internet an international tournament before. Okay, I was seven years old. I had no idea what the World Cup or the Euros or anything was at that point. But here on U.S. television in the United States of America, TNT Turner Broadcasting broadcast the World Cup. And I had my father explain to me what this was. It was a big tournament. But uh, Nissan Dorma was the theme song. And 31 years later, I still hold that song dear. And I'm still so attached to that Italia 90 because I just watch football every day. I never cared to watch it before, I don't think. I played it. I started playing when I was five years old. But at seven years old, I didn't really care to watch it. But... I did watch it. I watched it with with my my old man a lot of the times, and I'll never forget the United States losing five to nothing to Czechoslovakia the very first time uh, they stepped on the pitch. I remember being my father telling me, "Hey, this is your United States," he said to me, and then they got shellacked. (laughs) And um, even after that, I was hooked on international soccer, international tournaments, the pageantry. The crowds, the anthems. And let's talk about anthems. Fratelli d'Italia. How about the Italians? My goodness. My goodness, Giorgio Chiellini had all of our emotions in his face. The man just had this, this face of gratitude and this face of joy that the moment had finally arrived, that this tournament is here. And I think he's grateful that he's there. Man, watching that Italian team sing their anthem like that, it, it it hit me. It hit me. And you see Italian stuff behind me. I'm not Italian. I married one, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm not Italian by blood. I'm not really even culturally Italian. I, I pretty much follow my own culture. But, my goodness, were t- was that team feeling it. I mean, what a start to this competition. This... See, the big reason I want to do this podcast in this format, in this nightly format, is because I truly believe deep down that 30 years from now, people are going to want to find content on Euro 2020, first of all, because it was played in 2021, okay? That starts it all off. Plus, we're playing in in three-quarter empty stadiums in some cases, okay? This is something people are going to want to see with their eyes because they won't believe it. We're playing in these conditions. We're playing with five substitutes. We have, you know, we're coming off the most fixture-congested European season in history. And I do believe there are going to be a lot of injuries in this tournament, okay? And if they don't come in this tournament, they're certainly going to come at the beginning of the next season for a lot of these players. So I truly, truly believe that this is going to be a historic tournament because, well, I just have this feeling inside me that some unexpected team is going to make a memorable run, okay? And the fact that so many of the players on the top teams play in the top five leagues and dealt with the same fixture congestion all season, over 60 matches for most of them, in a condensed season. Remember, it was only eight months. It was not 10. Um, The fact that all of that is coming into play, plus you have all these different home countries, which changes the, the dynamics and changes the outlook of this tournament drastically Italy's playing three matches at home Germany's playing three matches at home Um, England is playing three matches at home at least okay it goes on a couple other nations get get matches that are almost at home for example today's Italy's opponent today Turkey yeah they got they had a tough day but now they're gonna go to their home away from home if you will because uh listening to talk sport from the UK this morning um, they had an, uh, a Turkish football expert explaining that when they go to Azerbaijan, when they go to Baku for the next two matches, there's a heavy, heavy, large Turkish population and Turkish influence there, and the Turkish team is going to feel at home in Baku. So that 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 changes things. You know, third place teams are going to qualify. That always turns it makes the path very unpredictable. You're going to get good. I'm pretty positive. You're going to get, and for those of you that are playing the game, thank you for those of you that signed up to play my Pick'em Challenge. All right, I believe at the time of kickoff there were 21 entrants, and I'm thankful to all of you for playing. Um, Those of you saw that there's going to be a side of the group that's loaded again. I think when we get to the knockout stage, there's going to be a side of the bracket that is loaded and a side of hopefuls, which is going to make it exciting. I'm not going to lie. I'm as a Portugal fan third place after I did that, after I did my bracket, third place looked better than second or first. Now I'm not hoping for them to come out and come in third place again, but I mean, whoever comes in third place out of that group, I'm going to fancy to go pretty far. And uh, well, it's just, it just seems like it's going to work out that way. This tournament can go anywhere. There is yes. France are the runaway favorites, but it only takes one. Defeat to be eliminated. We're not playing a 24 team league season where everybody plays everybody. That's not what we're playing. Playing a tournament. Okay. Anybody can get eliminated. Okay. After France, I think there's a a whole host of teams that are are in the same group. Yes, I believe Portugal are among the best. But what I saw from Italy today, I know it was against Turkey, but uh, listen. Everyone gave up on Turkey so fast after today. They were so many people's pick for the dark horse. And then everybody's jumping off that horse at the end of this match. There's a lot of football left to be played, people. Listen, I understand this negative three goal difference. It's going to be hard to make up over the course of the next two games. But it's not impossible. Let's, Let's not bury somebody before they're dead. But Italy, did they play some football today? Did they play some football? Que bello! Que bello! The football they played, the Calcio, the way that ball was moving. The way they were patient on the ball. We'll get to it in just a minute. It was just it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh performance, I think, from the Azuri playing at home in the Olympic Stadium in Rome, in front of about sixteen thousand people, uh twenty-five percent capacity, but they made their voices heard. They they gave us the the soundtrack to the matches, if you will. The end of the piped in sound. Boy, the real the real sound is so much better, isn't it? So that's where we stand right now. All right. Italy winners today. We know that three nil we'll get into the match. Uh, I'm going to take a quick little break here to, to sharpen up and I'm going to get a few things up on the screen. We're going to talk about this match. All right. So we'll be right back here on the parking, the bus Euro report. This is your home for Euro in English and your home for, for podcasting um, Euro style <laughs> with, with the, the Euro, uh, I'm sorry, my mind's a little bit off. I've been, I've been, I've been under the weather. With the Euro snob himself right here, the Mister Mike Agustini. So make sure you follow me on PTB underscore Media at Instagram and on Twitter. And please, if you're not yet, go over and watch this on www I've got it up there. All right, it's right on the on the front page right now. So um, go ahead and do that. It'll be one moment, and I will be right back. UEFA Euro 2020, this summer, here on the Parking the Bus podcast. And welcome back. Parking the Bus Euro 2020, day one. We're talking Italy versus Turkey now, or I should say Turkey versus Italy. Italy, actually, the away team today. Um, which you probably could tell by their road white, their alternate white kits today. But did they not look sharp? Wow, they Both teams just looked absolutely sharp in their kits. You couldn't find a better set of kits to open up this competition with. All right, we're gonna go to the eleven now, as I've got it in front of me here, and we're playing at the Stadio Olimpico, as we said. The referee is Danny McKelly of the Netherlands. And actually, the uh, official attendance, 12,916. All right. And here are the eleven, starting with Turkey. And please forgive my mispronunciation. This is one language I really have a very hard time pronouncing. I do not mean to offend anybody. Okay. Uh, the goalkeeper for Turkey, they're playing a 4-1, 4-1. The goalkeeper is Ugar Khan Kasser. He's got four across the back. He's got Zeki Selik, uh, Merhi Di Meral, and we'll talk about Di Meral later on in just a few moments as he was a – the Juventus center back was someone who factored in this contest. Uh, his center back partner, Kaglar Soy- Soyunku, and Umutu Meras is the left back. O.K. Yokuslu is the holding center midfielder with four midfielders in front of him. Hakan Kalanehu on the left. Yusef Yakizi uh, in the center with Ozan Tufan. And Keenan Karaman is the right-sided midfielder. And they're playing behind the captain and the Lille striker, Burak Yilmaz. So that is the team that was sent out by Sinol Gunez, the manager of Turkey. Now, for Roberto Mancini, he sends out a 4-3-3 for the Azzurri. Of course, Gianluigi Donnarumma between the sticks. He's the goalkeeper tonight. And his four across the back, the right backs, Alessandro Florenzi, Leonardo Bonucci, and Giorgio Chiellini are the center-back pairing in what is uh, maybe the oldest center-back pairing in the competition. But you know what? Age is just a number. And if they're fit, if they stay fit, and if, if the team keep plays like they did today and protects these these center backs, well, they're gonna be just fine, I think. I'm really, really impressed with this Italian team. The left back is Leonardo Spinazzola in midfield. They're anchored by none other than Jorginho, the the recent Champions League winner with Chelsea. And he has Nicolo Barella of Inter to his right and Manuel Locatelli of Sassuolo to his left and in the attack the three up front uh led by the striker from Lazio Ciro Immobile to his right Sassuolo's Domenico Berardi and to his left is Napoli's Lorenzo Insigne and that is the 11 that that Roberto Mancini sent out for the Italian side. Let's go through the ticker. Then the first half wasn't a lot to talk about. Not a lot going on in this first half. Um, Turkey sat deep. Okay. Turkey sat deep and failed really to get any kind of counter. Um, I think Donnarumma was called on once or twice, but really this was about Italy and and Italy's patience. And uh, I'll go through the ticker. Like I said, as I bring it up for you, but I think, you look at it, and I think Turkey had a game plan that maybe didn't suit them best. Um, because once this game turned on them a little bit, they they struggled to adjust. I I was following the Twitter feeds, you know, and uh, you know, CBS's Nico 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 Cantor. he he said that Turkey were going to come forward. Now they're going to be forced to go forward, and you were going to see a change. It, it didn't happen um that's not a knock on nico obviously that's what all of us would have expected to see i'm not going to sit here and pretend i'm that familiar with this turkish team i'm not um i'm much more familiar with the italian familiar with the italian side but uh, it was it was something that you know i don't think italy felt anything but comfortable the entire 90 minutes in this in the In the second minute, you got Italy knocking the ball around as the crowd whistle their approval. Florenzi sends Berardi racing onto a pass down the right. The winger cuts back from the byline, looks for Immobile, who fires just wide from a tight angle. And um, Berardi was big in this match, was he not? I mean, there was a couple of big names in this match. For me, the two key guys were, were Bernardi and Jorginho. Okay, they really were the two that were pulling the strings. I mean, Jorginho in this match was like a like a symphony composer. He was just in midfield just composing, making the music with every pass, with every triangulation, with every switch, with every short run. Um he just was in complete control it seemed like of this of the tempo of this match. And um he he was fantastic. I mean, what what a match he played. But also, you know, Berardi. How about this guy? Comes from Sassuolo, from Sassuolo, who played some of the best football in Italy this year. Okay, they were very much a popular team. They were very much a people's uh, team in Italy for the brand of football they played. And you get two guys from Sassuolo in this starting lineup, and I think you know making the most of this opportunity. It looks like from both of them. And Berardi today. I mean, he was he was just so crucial down that right side. And Turkey had very little answer for him as the match went on. In the sixth minute, we see Italy dominating possession. Turkey nowhere to go. Bernardi once again nearly latches onto the end of Immobile's pass through the middle. But Kassir comes off his line to smother it and prevent the chance. In the 11th, Sonuku's cuts out, Sonuku cuts out Italy's tidy, if ineffective, attack. And allows Turkey to break forward through Yilmaz, but but Barella beats Kalangalu to Yilmaz's clipped cross. And the right back gets ends up winning a free kick by getting his body position first. Now we're going to talk about the referee in this one a little bit. There were no fewer than four claims of handball in the in the penalty area in this match. And um, good thing ESPN, where I watched this match. ESPN had Mark Klattenberg, the, the referee, the English referee who refereed the final five years ago, um, explaining some of these decisions because, well, it's just inconsistent the way the way especially a handball is being ruled in the modern game in the age of of VAR in the age of video replay. You watch a match in one country and it's a it's it's always a penalty. You watch it in another. It's never a penalty. Now you get to a European competition and shouts for 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 handball here at the end of the first half. We'll get to it in a little while. but Klattenberg explains that why it's not, and he explains why Var neither overturned it nor would have overturned it if the referee had made the a different decision. So we'll get there in a moment. in the fifteenth. Spinozola runs away from Karaman and sends a high cross that goes out for an Italy throw-in. Italy push up the pitch and with that pressure Tufan is brought down by Locatelli as Turkey relieved pressure with a little bit of um, or with a little relief from a free kick. There's nervous energy to the game so far though with everyone expectantly awaiting the tournament's first goal. Italy play a lovely 1-2 in the 17th to send in Insigne. Racing into the box, and the striker sends his shot towards the far corner, but it curls just wide of the right-hand post. 19th minute, and Locatelli finds himself crowded out, but Turkey have no time to capitalize. And it's Italy who comes straight back once again, and it's Bonucci leading the rush uh, with a fresh uh, fresh rush of blood to the head. And he boots an effort off target from distance and it says on Fop Mob that he can always dream. <laughs> um I do remember that that's he did come up and he was starting to get he started glory hunting a little bit uh, Leonardo Bonucci. He started to think he could make him, maybe make a hero of himself. 22nd minute it's a chance for Italy. This was a phenomenal chance off a uh I believe it's off yeah, it's off a corner kick and it's Chiellini totally free in the penalty area. And he gets on the end of Insigne's corner and he powers a header towards the top center of the net. But Casir makes a top save to tip it over the bar. He gets his fingertips on it and parries it over the bar to deny the Italians their first. As Casir is more than up for the occasion here. And this time we get another corner as a result. And this time Bonucci nods it down. And Chiellini is caught offside. But the two center backs nearly going for goal early. Uh, the two aging center backs, if you will. Um, wow, what a, what a goal it would have been for Chiellini. Let me tell you, he got his head on it. He just hit that thing. He just hit that thing perfectly. He didn't even jump. He found himself in open space. He didn't jump. He just cocked back, swung, got his neck muscles going, hit it perfectly, but Casier made it a nice save. Let's skip ahead a bit now to the 33rd As Spinozola wins a corner off of Tufan down the left for the Italians. The left back providing plenty of width for his team. And Turkey can't completely get rid of the short corner now. As it ends up on Immobile. And he nods it wide from the center of the box off of Bernardi's cross. Italy getting closer. And I think the entire game, Italy was playing a smart game of building, 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 building. And... The problem was Turkey made no adjustments. Turkey played like they were going for zero zero from the first minute. And listen, this this podcast is called parking the bus. I'm not gonna sit here and criticize a defensive approach. The thing is, when you park the bus, you have to have a plan for those moments when you're able to come out. You have to have a plan to adjust when things aren't when you're being left exposed, when things aren't going the way they should. And it just never happened for Turkey in this matchup. Um, Italy never felt uncomfortable, like I said. And Turkey really never never threatened. As um, Again, I, I'm all for sitting in deep and waiting for, uh, for a chance to knock a 60-yard ball into space and run onto the end of it and create a counterattack. But they didn't get that far. They literally didn't get that far. Turkey just sat in and made themselves a, a a tried to make themselves a human wall, a human barricade, blocking shots. And there were times the Italians are moving the ball around here in the first half, and literally it's just a sea of red jerseys everywhere. But the Italians, you know, they they were patient, like I said, and they worked the ball around, and they'd eventually find the spaces. And it was down the flanks; they had a lot of success down both flanks, whether it was. Whether it was Spinozola and Insigne down the left, or whether it was uh, Berardi down the right, it was just a, a, a day where, where Italy's patience came in to play. They came in, you know, just to be absolutely uh, crucial. And I don't know if Turkey was waiting for them to start making mistakes, waiting for them to start leaving themselves exposed, but it never happened. It was always it was always going to be Italy in this one. All right, we we head forward. Let's we like I said, we had quite a few calls for penalties in this one. Most of them I thought the referee got right, but here in the 45th. Uh, I thought we finally got one I really thought this one was a penalty judging by how this has been called all season especially in the Latin leagues and by that I mean the Italian the Spanish the Portuguese uh the French League uh, this is this is a clear penalty in those leagues not so much in in you know the the English or the German League but you know Spinozola fires across it hits the arm of Zeke selek and That's been called a penalty all season. Today, the referee said no. And there was a penalty check by the VAR on this one. So, play continued. And then just before halftime, play was stopped once the ball was was out of play. And the referee listened to the VAR official. But at, at the end, the VAR official confirmed the call on the field and said no penalty. Now, the reason, it was explained by Mark Latenberg afterwards. And... Also, Taylor Twellman on ESPN talked about the the wording, and it's escaping me right now. But it's in an intentional position or something of, of of those of those means. Whether or not the arm is in an intentional position, there's still a lot of human judgment to be made in what is handling the ball. So on this one, Silek uh, C- is is in the box and he is running to try to close down space. For those of you watching on on either on YouTube, on Periscope, or on ParkingTheBusMedia.com. He is running, so as his arm is extending like this, it will hit his arm, which is away from his body, which is how I have understood this to be called all season. But Mark Clattenburg says that UEFA have sent the message that this is not a penalty kick by the VAR not awarding the penalty kick in this situation. So he was then asked, I believe by Taylor Twelman, so if he had called it a penalty on the field, would it have been overturned? And Mark Clattenburg said he doesn't believe so. He reminds us that VAR is for a clear and obvious error. And this was a judgment call. As long as the referee says that he saw it hit his arm, but he does not believe that the arm is in an unnatural or an unintentional position, then the referee's call is confirmed, it would be overruled if he said, I didn't think it hit his hand. Did it hit his hand? And then the VAR official says, yes, it hit his hand. So a little bit of clarity. We'll see how this gets called throughout the rest of the tournament. There are 50 matches to go before we crown a champion on July the 11th. So we'll see what kind of consistency this shows. I'm very interested to see if a referee's nationality also affects how he calls the match. Because again, like I said, different leagues in different countries have different interpretations. We go to to halftime now with the teams uh, all tied up nil-nil. And we're still waiting for a goal to light the fuse that is Euro 2020. Italy dominated the opening 45 minutes, though, impressing with their movement and willingness to shoot. Turkey created nothing going forward, um, but have so far defended admirably. And this is the only only the third time since nineteen eighty that a team has failed to have a shot in the first half of a euro's game that team here being Turkey of course and gunes's side haven't clicked as of yet Italy have had fourteen more shots the biggest shot differential in a euro's first half since two thousand four when the Netherlands outshot latvia uh, outshot Latvia by sixteen to one that match ended three 0 to the Dutch hmm Italy could still win this match just as handsomely. A little bit of foretelling there from uh, the fought Mob gods, if you will. The reporter that's in the stadium uh, typing up the text in the notes for the app. But here we go. Um, out of halftime, we get a substitution for Roberto Mancini. On comes Gio- Giovanni Di Lorenzo of Napoli. He replaces Alessandro uh, Florenzi of Paris Saint-Germain. And... This was a bad. Uh, let me tell you, Roberto Mancini destroyed my fantasy team already on the first day. I, uh, I had Chiesa in my fantasy team today, and I had Florenzi in my fantasy team. Uh, shout out to Josh Marsal, who's running the league that I joined. Um, uh, a good friend of mine there uh, up in up in Canada who invited me to join his league. So again, I am a horrible fantasy player. I even up and fortunately they announced that Chiesa was not going to be in the starting lineup with time for me to go in and, and change my lineup and remove him as captain. Cause he was my captain today, but uh, yeah, Mancini destroyed my fantasy team for the, for this uh, first match day. But uh, here comes Di Lorenzo for Florenzi. And it looks like Florenzi was nursing a minor muscle injury lately and just was not right. Therefore uh, Di Lorenzo comes on. Turkey makes a substitution of their own, um, and this one is tactical. The ineffectual Yaziki comes off, and he makes way for the, the winger Sengis Under. And Italy start the second half brightly, forcing Soyunku to give away another corner down their right. Unfortunately, the hosts promptly waste it by taking it short and allowing Insigne To pass it to an offside Bernardi. How often do you see an offside on a corner kick? It almost never happens. Um, There were a few offsides also called by the referee's assistant on that side. On the right side of the pitch. um, Down down the, I guess you would say. Down the side, Italy was attacking in the second half. That right side. Uh, Italy were called offside twice when they were not, in my opinion. And the referee stopped play. So even if they'd gone on and scored... But then, you know, theoretically, there would be no VAR because play was blown dead. Um, but again, this one is is the first of those calls. 49th, and it is Yilmaz caught offside from Karaman's through ball. Meras clatters into Barella from behind and comes out the worst. And Turkey's physios have to come onto the pitch and give the Turkey left back some treatment there but we move ahead and now we go to the 53rd minute and finally the deadlock is broken and it's that guy i've been talking about it is berardi once again dominico berardi down the right he makes the left back and i don't know who who it was exactly i think it was made us who was just coming in back off an injury but Berardi runs at him at pace. He runs at him at pace with good pace. And then he stutters. He 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 makes a little bit of a stutter step. And that little bit of body motion throws uh throws Meras' equilibrium way off, and the Turkish defender loses his balance and falls down, which allows which allows um Berardi to continue forward. He's coming from the right to the center. He's in the right center channel entering the box. And now he's literally on the edge of the six-yard box. And then he hammers across the face of goal, a hard cross. He was looking for, I believe it was Insigne that was at the back post. Uh, Di the Juventus uh, center back, was in position, but his his hips are facing the wrong way. I also think the goalkeeper's out of position as he came out a bit too far and was no longer within the frame of his own goal. And what happens is De Miral can't turn his body in order to either get out of the way of this, this somewhat this rocket of a cross or, you know, really position his body to, to allow him to make the, cr- to make the clearance. Instead, it goes off his chest and into the goal. Italy on the board. First, they break the deadlock and the stadium erupts as the home side go. Well, the, the unofficial home side, the team playing in their home country. Go ahead, 1-0. They are the away side um, in an official capacity. But it is 1-0 to the Azuri as it comes off of Di Meral, and he can do nothing but turn it into his own goal. And I said again, I think it's it all stems from his body positioning and how little time he had to turn his hips to get out of, to get, first of all, his mark in front of him because his mark was Insigne is behind him. And then his hips are facing his own goal, and he just doesn't have the chance to turn it around, doesn't have the chance to to give himself a, uh, an opportunity to clear this ball. So Italy, go ahead. And this is when we thought that maybe Turkey are going to open up and start to come forward. Um, in one minute later, it looks Italy going for a second goal straight on here. As um, for... You know we know that this a second goal here would have killed off the match, and Kassir makes a nice firm save with his hand to stop Spinazola's left-footed smash from the left side of the box. Rebounds to Immobile, whose effort will bounce wide, unfortunately. But remember that name. Fifty-sixth minute, Italy looking confident. Insigne takes a touch on his right foot, clatters an effort off a Turkey defender for another corner. Italy take it short to keep the pressure on Turkey, uh, who are starting to flag Turkey gasping for air, Turkey looking for solutions, and right now unable to cope with the pressure that the Italians are putting on them. We get a substitution then from the Turkish side in the 64th minute. Two substitutions made. On comes uh, Khan Ayan. He replaces Ozan Tufan as... um, Also, as it's a, a, a like for like switch for the Turkish side. Also, Yuslu is getting arrest. Okay, okay, Ukulsu, sorry, uh, is coming off, and Irfan Kahaveci comes on as the, the Fenerbahce midfielder replaces the gast Yokulsu in midfield. And then one minute after that, it happened. <laughs> So I just mentioned this name a moment ago, and here it is again. Remember, Ciro Immobile, the Lazio striker, comes up again. But again, it is Bernardi, Berardi, excuse me, making the play. And Berardi spots Spinazola at the far side. So it starts with Berardi coming down the right again, the right center channel. Nobody picking him up from, from Turkey. Nobody being able to keep pace with him when he runs at pace with the ball. This time he uses his space and his time to to whip across across the face of goal. He finds Spinozola at the far side of the box, who hangs, uh, who goes for goal, and he forces a nice save from Casir, um, but he can't hold it, and it pops off perfectly right in to the line of tr- of running right into the track of Chiro Immobile, and Immobile makes it two to nothing, and he has now scored in three successive games for Italy for the first time in his career. The Lazio striker is in hot form and so are Italia. And they don't let up there. It's more Italy. And in the 74th, a substitution made by by Mancini as Manuel Locatelli comes off the Sassuolo midfielder replaced by Roma's Brian Cristante. And Cristante A fixture in this team as well. Now a very consistent, uh, very solid, reliable holding center midfielder. Um, In the 76th, we have a nice play as as Jorginho is just evading challenge after challenge. Firing a nice pass out wide to Spinazzola. Spinazzola should have shot first time, but doesn't. And he's still able to earn to earn a corner for Italy. We haven't talked so much about Jorginho because what he does doesn't always show up in the stat sheet, but there was no player in better positioning. There was no player connecting passes better, picking out runs of his teammates, and just, like I said, like a conductor in an orchestra, just moving the music of the match and moving it like a symphony. 76-minute Turkey make another substitution, and it's the Brentford forward... Dervi Goslu, who replaces Kenan Ke- Karaman, and it once again it seemed to be an omen. Every time Turkey su- sub- sent on a substitute, Italy scored, and it happened again. This time it's the 79th, and it comes. It starts with a really disastrous play from Casier, the goalkeeper, who has the ball at his feet and underkicks it very badly. It ends up landing right on the foot of you guessed it, Berardi. Berardi starts to come towards goal, squares it, plays it to I believe it was to Jorginho. and Jorginho then with one more uh, one more square pass to Immobile. Immobile without looking just puts the ball straight on to the run of of Insigne and Lorenzo Insigne. Typical, it's it's like a dream come true if you're a right footed left sided forward like Insigne is playing here. The ball is played just right onto your run, right onto the instep of your right foot, where you can calmly just pass it into the far post. Insigne does that with world-class precision. Just an absolutely classy goal from Insigne. Goalkeeper has no chance. 3-0 to the Azuri. And it's another brilliant assist as well for Immobile, who plays a suburb ball right into the run of Insigne. 3-0. And Mancini goes to the bench to to finish it out as he gives 10 minutes time to my guy, Federico Chiesa, as Insigne will take a, a lap of honor, if you will, and will take the standing ovation from the crowd as he comes off. On comes young Federico Chiesa of Juventus. And also coming on to the match is Torino's Andrea Bellotti replacing Ciro Immobile and one more substitution for Italy in the 85th Federico Bernardeschi, another Juventus player comes on and he replaces Berardi who who cramps up here at the end uh the the commentary team are talking about a a tackle and he might have been studded but to me it looked like a cramp and I'm going to tell you why because when he's laying in agony he doesn't reach for the calf muscle where the contact was was made with the, with the opponent's studs. He reaches for his toes and he straightens his leg and starts to pull back on his toes. That tells me he's cramping and uh, his day is done a very, very good match for Domenico. Berardi. Federico uh, Federico gets a few moments to run around on the pitch and Turkey lose their head a little bit here. They pick up a couple of yellow cards in the final moments. But at the end of the day, there's not much else to say. The referee blows his whistle at 90 plus three. Turkey nil, Italy nil. Italy start Euro 2020 with the biggest ever victory in an opening match of a European championship. The Azzurri were frighteningly, frighteningly good, outclassing Turkey all across the pitch. Turkey held Italy at bay in the first half, but crumbled after Demiral's own goal early in the second half. Immobile and Insigne eventually struck to give Italy a comfortable win. And obviously, Italy will take the lead in the group now. So I have some player ratings I'm going to share with you. These are courtesy of a Portuguese uh, analytics page. So unfortunately, it's not in English, but I'll translate anything that, that needs to be translated. I just think that it's the most visual friendly of, um, of the analytics pages and what makes for the you know, what makes for the best on your screen since we are watching this on a live stream. So I'm going to bring it up for you right now. It'll be just one moment. Those of you on the podcast, I'll still read out the, the ratings and show you or and explain what I'm talking about. Okay. So here are the ratings on your screen here, and I'm hoping that it's big enough for you to see it. I chose this one because I feel like it's big enough. So we have Turkey and Italy there, as you see, zero to three is the goals is the score. Uh, Turkey's average rating is 4.93, while Italy's average rating 6.27. Normally, this, this site has the XG there as well, but there is no expected goals listed here, so we'll have to go without it. Let's go through the ratings first for Turkey. Uh, Kass- Kassir is, is the goalkeeper, 5.4. Selik 5.1. Dimeral, 5.1. Soyuncu, as you can see, a very, very abysmal 4.0. Meras, 4.6. Kalchanglu has a 5.3. Yokulslu, 6.5. He was their best player, according to these analytics, according to this algorithm. Yaziki had a 4.8. Tufan, 4.7. Kataman, 4.4. And Yilmaz, the striker from Lille, who just won the French League, only a 4.5 a bit of a disappointing matchup for him but of course he is much more used to coming off of the bench and being an impact player that way his national team needs him to start from the beginning which is a little bit different of a role for him and you see the substitutes here under 5.2 ihan 4.9 kahvechi 4.7 and derviskulu 4.6 for italy donnarumma has a 5.1 Uh, Florenzi 5.2, Bonucci 5.4, Chiellini with a monstrous 6.5 for, for him. That's a, that's a big rating for him. Uh, Spinozola was, was very big in this match. As you can see with the 6.7 rating. Insigne 7.4, Locatelli 6.0, Jorginho, the man of the match on this website, 7.7. While Barella was 5.3, Berardi 7.1 and Immobile 7.6. Substitutes Di Lorenzo, 5.1, and Cristante, 4.9. We go ahead here and we look at, you can see here the heat map for Jorginho. So Jorginho is the man of the match. And what it says here is he's got three passes for shots. He set up three shots. He he broke the line. He had one pass that broke a defensive line. Uh, His pass efficiency, look at that, 94%. And he had a 100% dribble efficiency as well. What this says here is dribbles. Two dribbles attempted, two completed. And he had three actions. Um, he had three defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. So he was all very big in the defensive side of the game as well. Very big pressing. And he had three three steals and four interceptions. And you can see his heat map here where... He hung out most of the match. Um, You can see Jorginho right there mastering this middle third of the field. He was just everywhere in that middle third, and he was running the show. And we have a few statistics here, and some of these are mind-boggling. Here are the XGs. So on this page, we have the expected goals. Turkey with a 0.6 expected goal, while Italy 1.9 shots. Italy had 24 to Turkey's three shots on goal, 8 to nil. Uh, actions in the opponent's uh, area, in the opponent's defensive area, Uh, 31 actions in the penalty area of the other team. That is a lot. Uh, Seven corners to two for Italy, 87% pass efficiency to 80. The vertical, this is one of, I think, the most important statistics in the game. Um, I like this site because it includes some of these statistics you don't always see. So this says vertical pass efficiency. Italy 76% efficient on the vertical pass to 57 for Turkey. Turkey playing the way they did in the plan they had came out with. They had to be much more efficient than that. Um, The actions in the opponent, the defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, Italy was leading the charge there with nine, meaning that they made defensive actions further up the pitch. Turkey led the fouls 10 to eight. Possession 164-36 to Italy. And that, my friends, is just about it. That is day one. I uh, hope everybody uh, enjoyed this. I hope to be in better health and better uh, energy levels tomorrow. As I said, I, I have been battling the stomach bu- uh, stomach virus the last two days. I haven't been to work in two days. And up until about an hour before before going live, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do this. But we got through it together, and I appreciate everyone for joining me. I hope that everyone um, enjoyed this match. We've got three more to talk about tomorrow, so I'll see you tomorrow, eight o'clock Eastern Daylight Savings Time here on the East Coast of the United States. It's five. That's uh, five o'clock Pacific Time, and that is uh, that is one a.m. Lisbon time, London time, in that that time zone. Two a.m. in the Central European Time Zone. So, um, thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you missed any part of this or you want to hear it again, don't forget to download the podcast. It will be out shortly. Um, I will always put the podcast up right after the the live stream concludes each and every night. This is day one. We're through it. We've got a month to go. Hope everybody enjoys and I will see you tomorrow here on Parking the Bus. This is the Euro 2020 Nightly Report. I am the Mr. Mike you Signing off, don't forget to follow me at tw- on Twitter and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. And don't forget to check out www.parkingthebusmedia.com. And I'll be back tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. Enjoy. Enjoy the football. There's lots of it tomorrow. Hope everyone has a great time. And I hope to see you again here on the P- Parking the Bus podcast on the PTB Media Network.